Hallelujah. I'd like to say welcome to everybody tonight. I don't know if I see any guests here, but welcome. Tonight, glad to be here and glad to be a part of what God is doing. Amen. Now that you've seated, you seated yourselves for a moment, would you stand? And this next part won't be long, I promise you. Long is relative, so however you deem that fit. Sister Nieto, are you ready? We'll start with Joshua chapter number one, beginning with verse one. Hallelujah. It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Can we pause here for a moment? Antioch North, can I tell you that everywhere that the sole of our foot lands, in the city of Baltimore, in Baltimore County, that is what the Lord is giving to us. From South Baltimore to North Baltimore, from East Baltimore to West Baltimore, without doubt, without fail, without question, it belongs to us. Verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And can we stop here one more time? Every promise that God gave to Bishop is my promise. Every promise that God has given Antioch is my promise. That wasn't just something for my fathers in the past. Everything that has not come to pass yet, that's still something for me to strive forward and to fight for. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Can I tell you, you're not walking by yourself. You haven't been placed on this earth. We haven't been placed in this city to try to figure it out on our own. We haven't been placed here to try to chart our own course. But God is here with each and every one of us to walk with us to see his work accomplished. He didn't call you to try to figure it out, Brother Williams. He didn't bring you here just to try to, to, to get you to make your own way. But every step of the way, God's orchestrated for you and your family. God's charted every single course. I don't know all the details and don't need to know all of them. But you're here with the purpose. You might have been here since Baltimore started or you might have just started here in the past month. I don't care how long you've been here. But each and every one of you are here with the purpose as part of God's, part of, of God's puzzle and a piece to his purpose. God bless you. You can be seated. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 28, says, Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, 
and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the prom, in the province of Babylon. You see, you read this and you think, hey, this is just another cute Bible story and God did it back then and this was for, this was for a time then. But the king made the decree that no longer are you going to worship my God, but observe these three men. Let's find out who their God is. Let's worship their God. When we worship their God, he's going to do something. So put away all the other gods that you once knew and let's go after this God. This is a great story. But was this just an Old Testament story or is this something that's still alive here today? You might say, well, there's nobody else that wants what I have. There's, there's nobody in the, that wants to know who Jesus Christ is. I beg to differ with you. But there's still, a, there's still a people around here that want to know who the one true living God is. Brother David Barnes ministered this morning in service. And he talked about the people in the city. You walk around and everybody's hard. You go and you greet somebody and... They barely make eye contact with you. I went down to Alabama a few years ago for work, and I was shocked. You walk in a grocery store, and people, they greet you and speak to you, and I'm thinking, you don't know me, and I don't know you. But here, it looks like that nobody wants anything, but everybody's hurting. How do you know they're hurting? Because their heart is crying and they're just acting it out in their flesh and all the violence and addictions and drugs. But deep down inside, they're longing and crying and say, do you have a God that can fill me up with this emptiness from this emptiness? Mark chapter 16. Verses 15, 18, it says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Can I ask a question? Are these signs following anybody in here tonight? Oh, wow. Are these signs following anybody here tonight? Signs that follow them that believe. And these things sound good. I, I want these signs to follow me. I want these signs to be right on my heels. I, I want all this stuff to be working in me. One is a sign that I'm connected with him. And to see somebody saved. Finally, Acts chapter 16, verse 25. And at midnight. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto But it didn't stop there. And for all of you that were here Thursday night, ladies, we had us an awesome time. We had us a, a great time. Because we find, found out that Paul and Silas, they prayed and they praised. But as a result, and suddenly... There was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. What would happen in our city? What would happen in our community? What would happen on our jobs? What would happen on our schools if we just prayed? What would happen if we just found a place to pray? What would happen if we found a place to begin to praise God? What would happen if we found a place to allow God to demonstrate and manifest his greatness, his power, his mighty acts, his awesome greatness, all that he is, all that he's able to do? What would happen? What foundations might, be, might, might we be able to shake up? What foundations might we be able to break? And of the prison, they were shaking and immediately... All the doors were open. We're not talking about just somebody coming into church and one person being delivered here and there. But what if in a church service we saw five and ten get the Holy Ghost? And what if in a care group setting we saw another five and ten receive the Holy Ghost and lives changed? What if we saw out just walking the streets and felt felt led to go talk to somebody and all of a sudden we found out that they were addicted to drugs and alcohol and abuse and but they wanted to be set free and not in a church service, not in a care group, not in a prayer meeting, but right there on the spot. 
they were set free. Right there on the spot, they were delivered. Why? Because we prayed and we praised. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. I want those signs to follow me. I want those signs to be there. I want to be like those children of Israel when they walked around Jericho. They believed that on the seventh time, when that trumpet sounds and we give out this shout, these walls are coming down. Uh, the prison doors, everything that belongs to us, everything is going to crumble. Everything is going to be broken, not because of me, but because of my God. I believe that. This morning before service, I, I had a chance this morning to ride through the city. Usually when I'm riding through the city in Baltimore, it's usually around with traffic and, all, and things like that. But there wasn't a lot going on. It was bright and early. And as I'm driving through, I'm, my mind was somewhere else. And it was almost like something came and nudged me and said, hey, wake up, pay attention. And I just kind of looked around where I was. And it's like I heard this voice that said that there is a revival and a harvest in this city right now. Not tomorrow, not in, but right now, there is a revival and a harvest here right now. And I've learned with God that when he begins to say things, that at times he prompts questions. Usually God will say there's a revival or harvest or he's going to do this or that. And I say, okay, God, cool, great. And I kind of... Get in my mind how he's going to do something. But I've learned to begin to ask God questions. And I asked God this question. I said, where? Because I was thinking just in that general area and, or that, that specific area where I was. And he, he led me to believe that it was the city. And I said, God, how? And he answered with one word. He said, death. And what I've come to preach about tonight is a headfirst plummet to the promise. And I fought with God over this all afternoon. Actually, I, he was kind of prompting me to come on, sit down and talk with him. And I kind of pushed him off because I was hoping that he would change his mind and give me something else to talk about. But if you read about the life of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37... Joseph was the favorite of Jacob. The Bible says that he was the son of his old age. And see, in our minds, the way that it goes with God is that when God has called me to do something, God starts me at ground zero. And I begin to work up to the promise. Mars, come here. God's called me to go reach my community. I said, okay, God, here we go. I'm strong. I'm of good courage. I've got faith. I'm ready to go reach my community. So we turn to, towards the course that we believe he's plotted for us, and in our minds, it's going to be just stepping up in him one step at a time. He's going to say, take a step. I begin to grow. I begin to be, become elevated. As, as The more I walk with him, he takes me higher and higher with him. But if you read about the life of Joseph, Joseph did not start at ground zero and end at level 10. Joseph started at ground zero and went down. Joseph went from a place where he was the favorite of his father, and his father made him a coat of many colors, of color, so, so much so that when you saw him coming, you recognized who he was. You knew exactly who Joseph was based on what he was wearing. And when his father went him to send him to go check on the business of his sons, they saw him coming from afar off. And Joseph showed up one day, just hang out right there for me. You're going to be Joseph tonight. So if you're not down in the pit or anywhere else, you're going to be there at the end. And Joseph was given a dream. Many of us know the story. First dream he told his brothers, we were binding sheaves. Your sheaves bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers, they didn't like him for that. The next dream, it was about the stars and the sun, the moon. And I believe that the first dream kind of dealt more with his brethren. The second dream dealt with his brothers and his father, his mother. Because it said the 11 stars, the sun, and the moon. 
They bowed down to him. And when Jacob heard that, Jacob said, oh, time out. What do you think this is? But in that scripture, it also says that Jacob took that saying to heart. He paid attention. There might be something more to this than just a dream that Joseph has had. But see, our problem is, is when God gives us a promise, when God gives us a dream, I'm afraid to say anything about it because I don't know how it's going to come to pass. Or I'm afraid of the cost. I'm afraid of what I'm going to have to pay to see it come to pass. Well, God is saying, if you would speak life into it, I will bring it to pass. There's not a thing you can do to bring it to pass. But you've got to trust me to bring it to pass. I could imagine Joseph felt pretty good. He said, hey, guys, I had this great dream, and I'm wearing this coat. I can see the rise and potential here. I can see me ascending to high places. But little did he know when he went to check on his brothers, that was the day where he was going to start the journey. His brothers saw him. They envied him. They grabbed him, and they threw him in the pit. They wanted to kill him, really. Go ahead and take a step down. He's in the pit, and that pit has said that there was no water, nothing for him to drink. And Reuben actually talked them out of killing him. They saw the Ishmaelites coming and they decided, hey, why don't we just go ahead and make a profit off of them? They took that coat of many colors, a thing that identified him as the favorite, the thing that he clung on to. I'd, I'd go so far as to say the thing that gave him a purpose in life, that, that, that thing that gave him status was ripped away from him. It was shredded and presented back to his father. And they never told his father what happened. They never told his father that an animal got your son. They, what they did is said, does this belong to your son? And his father said, an animal must have got him. His father said that. And they let the father believe that. They took, jo they took Joseph out of that pit and sold him into slavery. Sold him to the Ishmaelites and they took him and they sold him to Potiphar's house. So as he's pulled out of that pit and sold, he now has gone from a coat of many colors to a garment of slavery. The big thing here is not about what you're going through. It's about what happens in the middle of what you're going through. It's about what happens in the adversity that you're facing. I look across this place and everybody here, from the youngest to the oldest, even from that crying child that doesn't want to wake up from a nap and go to church, that's hungry at 3 a.m. in the morning, we all have things that we go through. But what's the purpose of it? What's God working out in that? Oh, it's just life. You know, I just gotta, I just gotta make my way through. If I can just find a way to make ends meet, you know, we'll be all right. Now, there are some things for the barns that we do get ourselves in the middle of and get ourselves in trouble with. But I believe God does teach us lessons through all of that. But pay attention to what Joseph did while he was in slavery. Genesis chapter 39, verse number one. Sorry, I didn't give you these. I didn't know if we would go here tonight. I didn't even know if we would touch any of this. But it's coming. And it'll be, it'll be here before you hit ground, believe me. So you, we've all got a long way to fall. It says, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord never left his side, but the Lord was with him. I go so far as the Lord was with him in the pit. The Lord was with him when he was sold into slavery. The Lord was with him right there in the middle of adversity. But God, why? How? What's the purpose of all of this? It's a whole lot more than you would understand. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man. As a slave, he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. 
And his master saw that the Lord was with him. My God, in the middle of adversity, his master would never know that he was a slave. His master only saw the hand of God on his life. And that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him and he made him an overseer over his house and all that he had put in his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Verse 9, these were Joseph's words. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, talking to Pharaoh's wife, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You see, in slavery, Joseph learned submission. And Joseph learned character. Joseph learned how to submit to someone and to behave himself well and to do well. And when Pharaoh and Potiphar's wife tried to entice him, he learned character and displayed character. But it wasn't just for that moment, but it was for a time and for a season to come. So many times we get caught up in our adversity and all that we're going through in that very moment. If I can just get out of this and if I could just get vindicated for the wrong that's been done to me. God, if you would just show everybody who I am and who I'm not. I didn't do anything to get me here. No. Well, actually, you did do some things to get you there. And all that's being orchestrated by God. God, I've been falsely accused. I've been wronged. Why am I here? Because for a time to come, but while you're here, there are things that I'm wanting to put in you, things I'm wanting to instill in you for a future time. For a purpose later that's to come. But the time came when Potiphar's wife went after Joseph. And Joseph fled from her presence and he left his garment behind. She falsely accused him. Potiphar believed her and he sent Joseph to the king's prison. And in that process, Joseph thought he had gained a place of stability. Joseph finally thought, well, at least I've reached the norm and I've reached a good place in life. And then all of a sudden, his garment of stability, of consistency, of what was predictable was stripped away for him to be led to a prison to put on another garment. And the Bible says that when Joseph went to prison, take another step down. When Joseph went to prison, he was given charge of that ward he was in. The jailer gave him charge of that. Jailer gave him men to be in charge of. And there Joseph learned not more character, but also leadership. Joseph learned leadership and authority, but he never stopped working. Joseph easily could have said, I don't belong here. Just give me my cell where I can curl up and die. But Joseph said, you know what? I'm not working for me. I believe in Joseph's mind that he still had a mind for God because God was with him the whole way, each and every step of the way, so much so that the jailer, Potiphar, they all saw the hand of God on Joseph's life in prison. When you go through adversity and when I go through adversity, what do they see? Do they see this flesh or can they see Jesus? You see, because anybody can go into a church and they say, yeah, I see Jesus all over this place. You've got Jesus and you've got Jesus. Well, I believe the truest form of him is what people see outside of these walls. When you take off the, your, your nice pretty dress, when your hair is all disheveled if you've got any, when your clothes are wrinkled, one day I'll join you. I've seen these gray hairs popping up and, you know, they, they, they tell you not to pluck them out because they grow back. I don't care. I pluck them out. Say, oh, wow, that's a gray hair. Toss it to the side. We're going to keep it black. It's either going to be black or gone. 
Yeah, quickly. I went from cutting my hair almost like every four weeks to almost every two weeks just so it all looks even across. I was uh, it was with my family and one of my siblings, they started rubbing the top of my head and I knew what they were saying by it. I tried to cover it up as long as I could and finally say, hey, things are changing. And it was before the child came, so it's not her. But Joseph is now in the prison, still building character. Joseph's in the prison, and these two guys get thrown in there, and they, they have dreams. And they tell those dreams to Joseph, and Joseph interprets the dreams, gives them the meaning of their dreams. And I wonder if Joseph ever sat there and said, I wonder what my dreams were years ago and what they meant. I wonder if there's still life in the dreams that I had some years ago. You see, when Joseph went to was, was cast into the pit by his brothers, he was 17 years old. And I wonder, and as time went on, if he ever thought, Lord, will I get an interpretation to my own dream? You see, many of us might walk around with unfulfilled promises and things that we're believing God for, and we watch people all around us receiving their miracle, receiving their blessing, receiving words that are coming to pass, and we're still holding on to something that we're believing God for. But how long can you hold on to it? Can you still have faith and trust God that he's still going to bring to pass the word that he's spoken? So Joseph interprets the dreams, and they come to pass. The butler is restored. The baker is beheaded. And he tells the butler, hey, man, when you get back up there, don't forget about me. Prime opportunity. You serving the you serving Pharaoh's court. Don't forget about me. And I believe that there's many times that we've prayed. We believe God and believe that something was going to come to pass. And it seems like our prayers have fallen on deaf ears. But remember, God was still with Joseph. God never left his side. Even in the prison, God never left him. So that butler returns. And the day that Pharaoh comes and says, I had a dream. And he asks his magicians and servants and those around him for an interpretation. No interpretation came. And that butler says, oh, my goodness. I know a guy who interpreted a dream. I know somebody. We had dreams, and they came to pass just as he spoke it. And that man, he's actually in the prison right now. And they said, go get him. And they went and got Joseph. And they said that he shaved his face, and he put on a new garment. He lost the garment that favored him in his father's house to put on the garment of slavery. He lost the garment of slavery to go to the prison. Changed his clothes from the prison to go to Potiphar's house. I mean, to go to Pharaoh's to interpret a dream. But when he went there and he interpreted that dream, he told Pharaoh, what's about to be spoken, it's not of me, but this is coming from God. And he gave Pharaoh instructions of what to do, told him to look out a man to oversee everything. So there, there was a famine coming and to look, out an over, uh, to, to look out a man to oversee all of this, to store up food for when this famine comes. Pharaoh turns and looks at his servants and says, hey, there's no better person to find than this guy standing right here. And he told him, he said, you're going to be you're going to be greater than anybody, everybody else, but no greater than me on the throne. Where did Joseph learn that? In slavery. He learned that in Potiphar's house when he said that Potiphar has left everything in my hand and Potiphar left him in charge of everything in the house. And he was going to be given men to delegate tasks to. Where did he learn that? In the prison. But the thing is, after Pharaoh appointed him to oversee all that, Pharaoh said, I know they dressed you up to come into my court, but that's not good enough to be the number two man. You're going to ride in the second chariot. You're going to put on a ring, and you're going to put on a garment that identifies you with who you are in this kingdom. You see, in order now, come on back up here. In order to ascend and to be who God wants me to be, I must first ascend to go up. John the Baptist said, I must first decrease that he may increase. I believe it was shortly after Jesus was baptized. 
John was thrown into prison. And he was beheaded there. But after Jesus was baptized, where did he go? The Bible said that he was, he went to the wilderness, but not of his own. He was led of the spirit to a place where there was no water. Just like Joseph went down to the pit where there was no water. Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days with no food to fast. There he was tempted of the devil. There he was tested. There he was tried. Jesus spoke later. He said, if I, if I be lifted up, I would draw all men unto me. And we think, yeah, that's awesome. Powerful. If we just lift up the name of Jesus, we've got, we've got a promise. We've got a word. This city is ours. We're going to take this city. We're going to take this city by force. We're going to march throughout this city. We've got evangelism. We've got all these things that God is going to do. People are going to get the Holy Ghost and people are going to get healed. You say, all right, God, let me strap up my armor. Let's go ahead and ascend onto the battlefield. March in victory and in power. It's kind of like what happened a few months ago when Pastor Simpson said, let's get on our faces and pray. And like what's happened here tonight, let's find a place to surrender. Or if I could put it this way, like Elder Middleton told me, he was telling me something one day when I was working up at the church. I can't remember all of what it was word for word. I just remember at the end, and he said, the best thing that we can just do after something like this is just go find us a little corner off on the side and just die. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> you can't shout over that. And God's saying, I want to give a harvest and a revival, but you got to descend first. You got to die. And Jesus knew that. Because he knew that if this world was going to change, he was going to have to die. He was going to have to be buried in the grave. We can preach about the gospel all day of the death, the burial, the resurrection. And because of that, I have life. But really, at the end of the day, you and I were created to die. Because if I die, then he can be lifted up. If I, if I find a place of submission and surrender, he can be lifted up. And you know what? God is going to lead each and every one of us into areas of our lives where we're going to submit and die. We're going to live our own way. But the choice is up to me how I handle myself right in the middle of that. I like this story. I like what happened here. I'm not signing up for it willingly. But I don't want to force God's hand to put me in a position where I've got to be crushed. But I would rather just take myself, my very best, and put all of me on the altar. And you see, you know what's, what, 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 what's happened here tonight? It's not, thank you. What's happened here tonight is just another step towards what God has for all of us. It's just another step. But the death and the things that, that God's going to do in us and through us is not going to happen in here. But each and every one of us have to make the choice that I'm not going to live my own way, but I'm going to give up control so that he can become. I'm going to change my garments from what others I have identified me as. I'm not going to be acquainted with the past. I'm not going to be acquainted with what I used to be. And I'm not necessarily just talking about all sin. I'm not just talking about being just acquainted with sin and shame and guilt in the past. Some of it I'm talking about religion. Some of us are so acquainted with having church a certain way and doing things a certain way and it's just rubbing us the wrong way because it's, you know, they're, 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 they're telling me I got to take this off and put something on that I'm not used to wearing. It's bringing me an unsettledness. It's, it's changing my world. It's turning everything upside down. And I'm excited for what God is going to do starting January of 2018. Here soon you won't recognize this body of believers and how things are done. Because God is in control. 
And we want to be apostolic. We want to be as close to what God wants us to be. But we can't wear the same garments that we've been wearing. God has taken us to a place to begin to change what we're wearing and how we're conducting ourselves. From the very beginning, Joseph was not allowed to fit in with his brothers. And Joseph saw that, Sister Simpson, as a privilege because he was favored. But that same privilege is what got him into trouble. That same privilege, that same garment, that same cloak got him into trouble. Those dreams, those visions got him into trouble. But why? Because later on, from all that he went through, he said, what you meant for evil, God intended for good. Although you do not understand what you put me through. You don't understand what I went through. You don't even understand the purpose. But what I went through was to save a nation. What I went through is to save the purpose and plan that God would bring to pass. And going through that, Joseph did not understand that. Joseph didn't understand that if I didn't go to Potiphar's house, my family wouldn't be saved years later. Thirteen years, thirteen years, Joseph had dreams. At 17, at the age of 30 is when he ascended to Pharaoh's house. Well, God, you've given me the vision. Why can't you bring it to pass today? Why not right now? Right? Why not this moment? God's saying, because it's not for today, it's not for right now, but it's for a time to come. I'm going to bring your path across somebody else's path, somebody else's path at the right time and at the right moment. But until then, you've got to go through the process. You've got to go through the process of development. You've got to go through the process of death. As much as anybody else in here, I want to, I want to be able to identify with what's consistent, with, with what's comfortable. You know how uncomfortable it is to get up here in a church service and have no idea what God wants to do? You stand up here and it's, oh boy. <laughs> you know God's wanting to do something and sometimes we've got something to preach or minister on and you know God is turning that thing over and saying, put it away. I want to do something else right now. But it comes with trusting him. But you see, the more that I trust him, I believe the easier it becomes just to flow and not to fight against it. God's bringing about a change right now. So much so a shift is what's been spoken. But I've got to trust him in that. I've got to trust what he's doing in in that. I've got to make up my mind and determine I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm not going back to religious tradition. I'm not going back to the way that we used to do things. I enjoy outreach and I, I, I enjoy door knocking. But my goodness, sometimes that just drives me up the wall. Because there'll be many times, you know, God's going to do this and God's going to give us this much of a harvest and revival. And let's go print up some flyers and bring them all into church. And we try and do all that, and we get one guest out of that. Thank God for them. But there are things that God wants to do that goes contrary to what we can control and what we believe. But God is asking us to sow in tears so that we can reap in joy. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It abides alone. But if it die, if it finds the place to die on that earth, it's going to reap a crop, reap a harvest. I don't want to be whole, but I want to die in his hands so that he can reach this city. You know what? There's not a one of us in here. I don't care how on fire for God you are. You can reach this entire city by yourself. Well, I have the words of everlasting life. I don't care what you have. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have it. If you're not broken before him, you don't have it. You go read about the disciples, the apostles. They preached stuff and got thrown into prison for it. At times they, they, they didn't know if they were getting back out. And when they got back out, what did they do? They went back to preaching. 
Why? Because they were sold out for the kingdom of God. They determined in their mind, I know where I'm going. I know where my destination is. And I know that God has a purpose and God has a plan. And first and foremost, there must be a death. But before that death takes place, whatever God has given, we must speak that. And there is a cost associated with that spoken word. Just like it got Joseph in trouble. And just like those spoken words got the apostles in in trouble. But greater than the trouble was the end result of what God is going to do. God's going to bring about a harvest in the city. God's going to bring about a revival. We're going to see communities turned upside down. We're going to see children saved. We're going to see families saved. We're going to see lives turned around. We're going to see drunkards set free and drug addicts set free and and, and perversion cease. We're, We're going to see all of that stuff change. But we got to be sold out to that. We have to be sold out to it. And as I kind of wrestle with the Lord over this this afternoon, I'm thinking, Lord, I I feel like every time I get up here and talk, I'm talking about dying. We just got to die. We got to die. We got to die. But Paul said, I die daily. And I just happen to believe I told him this morning, this is the most beautiful time of the year. Next month, some sing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and all that great stuff, red, white, and green. And you get the white stuff falling down from the sky, and we just get the temperatures just right. Thank you, Lord. I'm believing for a couple feet this year. I always say that, and Pastor Simpson says, well, when you're done, just make sure you come on over to my driveway. And Like, but Pastor, I might be able to shovel my car out, but they don't plow my street. This is my excuse, because when I get done, I'm going to go home and watch everybody else shovel themselves out. But I just happen to believe that in the middle of all the holidays and everything going on, that God has a work that he wants to do. I'll confess that this past weekend, or towards the end of this past week, Sister Brown was at ladies' conference, and it was just me and Eliana. I turned on the Christmas music. It's become a tradition of mine that the past couple years, on November 2nd, but I turned on the station, and November 1st, that evening, they had the Christmas music playing. I remember a couple years ago, I drove her crazy with it because from November through December, they played Christmas music. And it would be so easy come the holidays just to check out. It's so easy. Okay, it's easy for me to check out. I don't know about you, but for me, it's easy. I go find myself in a store and I just walk around the Christmas section. My purchasing powers have been revoked, so... I just go and browse. I'm a Hobby Lobby fan because in July they put out Christmas decorations for no other reason. So between January and June, I don't like going into Hobby, but come July, I love it. Eliana and I, we went into Sears this weekend. They had Christmas stuff up and went into Home Depot and they had Christmas stuff up and I said, oh, boy, I feel it coming. And going back a few years ago, I remember Elder Middleton making a statement around a certain time of the year. The Lord just kind of comes and settles on him and takes him into a season of consecration and renewal in him. And as this weekend came about and as all those things happened, I just felt this little nudge from the Holy Ghost that's saying, this is the season that I want to do something. So don't check out. I would love to check out and just go nuts for the holidays, the smells and the sights. But greater than all of that, he's got a purpose in this season. 
They talk about he's the reason for the season. Well, I don't believe that. But I believe that he is a reason for the season that we're in as part of the body of Christ. God's wanting to do something in this season, in these past, in these next few months, and going into next year. But is there anybody that's willing to lay it all on the altar to be a part of his season, to be a part of his harvest, to be a part of what he's wanting to do? Is there anybody that's willing to, as Joseph did, not just descend to the palace? but to descend into a greater depth so that when God does bring about a harvest, it doesn't get to my head and I've got the character built up and I've got the foundation established so that when he does the work, I don't fall over, but I can sustain the work that he has for me. Would you stand? I believe that if Joseph did not experience what he experienced, he would have been a poor leader in the land of Egypt. Because I don't believe when Joseph had the dreams at the age of 17 that he was developed into the man that could lead a nation through a famine, through turmoil. I don't believe that, but for 13 years, so many of us are ready. I've been called of God to... Do X, Y, and Z. And God is saying, great. Now let's begin to develop in you. But God, you called me. I should have the pulpit. They should be asking me to preach. I should be, I, I should be doing all of these things, God. And he's saying, no, first I've got to develop you. I've got to put a foundation in you. I've got to dig deep in you so that you can stand when the promise is fulfilled. So that you don't stand in a place of arrogance you stand in a place of humility you stand in a place with knowledge and wisdom you've been developed into what God wants you to just one more time here and I know we've prayed and, and all of that but can we take it to another level here can we find a place to pray here and surrender to him can we find a place to pray and say, Lord, mold me, shape me, do whatever you need to, Lord, for your promise and your purpose to be fulfilled. Because it's not about me. It's not about my comfort. It's not about my desires. It's not about what I want to become. I believe that all of us, God is going to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. But before he can do that, he's got to lay a foundation. He's got to put some character in us. He's got to put something in us so that we can exercise knowledge and wisdom. So that we can stand on a sure and a firm foundation. So that when temptations of life do come, I'm not tossed to and fro. When other winds of doctrine come, I'm not turned from him. When seductions of life try to pull me from him, as they tried to pull Joseph away, I can say I've got the character that God made me with, and I'm going to stand. I'm not going to give in to the temptation. I'm not going to turn it in. I'm not going to give it all up. God has brought me too far to throw in the towel now. Furthermore, God has given me a dream of something he wants to do. I don't understand all of it. I don't know how all of it's going to come to pass. But I do believe it's all going to come to pass. And I'm going to be the one that God uses. Come on. Come on. God, I'm putting it all on the line in front of you. Laying all of me at your feet. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That he can exalt you. If a man exalts you, you'll fall. But if God exalts you, you'll always stand. Because he's placed the foundation to stand on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I withhold. Come on, somebody. 
Let the Holy Ghost dig deep. Let the Holy Ghost dig deep. Let the Holy Ghost lay that foundation. Let the Holy Ghost show up that foundation that that house is built on. I don't want to be built on sand. I don't want to be built on sinking sand. I don't want to be built on a, an, an unsturdy and an unsure foundation. But I want to stand solid on God. I want to stand on His Word. So that whatever blows in my life, whatever winds come, whatever may happen, I still want to stand. I still want to stand. I want to see the miracles. I want to see the signs. I want to see the wonders. But first, before all of that, God, I give all of me to you. I give all of me to you. Surrender all to I give myself to the process. I give myself to the valley. I give all of me to it. I give myself to the pit. I give myself to that wilderness. You see, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. But it says that when He came out, He came out in the power of the Spirit. Withholding you can't have the power without paying the price of the wilderness. In the wilderness, my desires die. In the wilderness, my plans die. In the wilderness, what I want dies. Search me. Jesus, come on, somebody make peace with that pit, somebody make peace with that pit, somebody make peace with Potiphar's house, it's going to be restricting, it's going to be confining, but what happens at Potiphar's house is to prepare me for what's to come, make peace with the prison, because what happens in the prison is what is all that's needed to save a nation. Hallelujah. What happens in the prison is what's needed to save a city. What happens is what's needed. When I changed my garments, one day, as Jesus stepped out of that carpenter shop, one day I'm going to change my garments to step into the place that he has for me. I give to you in the name of Jesus not acquainted with the past not acquainted with yesterday the successes might be great but he said exceeding abundantly above all in the name of Jesus Everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 